This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, and we've survived another day with more than 4,000 new cases of COVID-19 in Florida. The state's closing in on 800,000. It was a hot time in Tampa for Donald Trump supporters, so hot that people began dropping while Governor Ron DeSantis was warming up the crowd. Medical personnel right over there. I'm, I honestly thought it was a protester, so I apologize for that. Right over there. Can we get someone over there? It was so hot they turned fire hoses on the crowd. Then the president revved things up even more as he went into rally mode. So I'm thrilled to be here in my, our home state, Florida. I love this state and I love the people of this state. While Trump talked at Raymond James Stadium, Joe Biden was speaking at a drive-in rally in Broward County. Right here in Florida, it's up to you. You hold the key. If Florida goes blue, it's over. It's over. So where do we stand with just four days left before the election? Today on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear from political scientist Susan McManus, who says the Sunshine State is more accurately called the toss-up state. In the last five elections in our state have really been won by 1% or less, and 2018, of course, was a half percent. So we're now the half percent state, which explains a lot about, again, why the candidates are crawling all over our state at the moment. Dr. McManus talks about NPAs, calm versus chaos, and what happens after the election later in the podcast. We'll also have your political calendar of events and check in with a Florida man who paid $150 to get mauled by a leopard. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, October 30th. It was on this day back in 1922 that Benito Mussolini sent the black shirts of his private militia into Rome, pulling off a fascist takeover of the Italian government with very little bloodshed. The next day, Mussolini became prime minister, eventually dictator. It ended badly. The rise in daily COVID cases continues. The state added almost 4,200 new coronavirus cases Thursday. We're just shy of 800,000 infections statewide. The Department of Health also reports 79 new fatalities. That increases the death toll to 16,854. The presidential campaign converges on the Sunshine State as Donald Trump and Joe Biden try to shore up support in what may be the most crucial swing state of the 2020 election. The president held a raucous rally in Tampa after being introduced by the First Lady. Hello, Florida. It is wonderful to be here in our home state. Thank you for taking the time to be here and for supporting the administration. We love you too. For those of you who are still deciding who to vote for on Tuesday, I hope that what I have to say will prove to you that a vote for President Trump is a vote for a better America. The president spoke for about an hour and a half and ticked off all of his major issues. Here is the three-minute and 30-second condensed version with some Florida references thrown in for good measure. So I'm thrilled to be here in my, our home state, Florida. I love this state and I love the people of this state. And five days from now, we are going to win Florida. We are going to win four more years in the White House. 
And we're going on to win a record share of the Hispanic American vote. You see what's happening? Oh, they're very concerned back there. The fake news, they are so concerned. Melania, you don't know too much about them. You've seen enough. But they are very unhappy. You know what's happening, don't you? You see what's happening? We've led Florida every single day. What's going on? This is a terrible thing for them. Actually, it's a good thing for them. They just don't know it. They haven't quite figured that out yet. No, we're doing incredibly in Florida. We're doing incredibly all over. And this isn't based on polls. This is based on fact. This is based on votes that are coming in. But you have to get out and vote. We are creating the greatest red wave in the history of our country. Tuesday, your vote is going to save our country. Most important election we've ever had. We're going to defeat. We are going to defeat the Marxists and the socialists and the rioters and the flag burners and the left wing extremists. We are going to defeat the anarchists, the anarchists. With your support, we will fight for American workers. We will defend our Second Amendment. Don't worry, it's very safe. If Biden got in, your Second Amendment is gone so fast. You know that. Support our police, protect our borders, expand school choice, so important. Ensure more products are proudly stamped with that beautiful phrase, made in the USA. That's what's going to happen. My plan for America will deliver a safe vaccine. You're going to have it in a few weeks. It's coming very quickly. Great companies, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, Pfizer, many, many companies. You're going to have it. Seniors will be first in line to get it, and we will make it available to everybody free. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. We're protecting our seniors. You know, if you're a senior and if you have a heart condition, if you have any kind of a certain type, especially diabetes, you're in big trouble if you get hit by the China virus. Big, big trouble. So we're going to make that vaccine. We're going to make it free, and it's coming from great, great firms. Our vaccine will eradicate the virus. And by the way, we have it. But whether we have it or not, it's rounding the turn. It's rounding the turn. For years, you had a president who apologized for America. Now you have a president who's standing up for America and standing up for the great people of Florida. So get your friends, get your family, get your neighbors, get your boss, pull them out of the chair. Come on, boss. And you got to get out and vote. There's never been an election more important. Kudos to everyone who attended in person and stood in the sun for hours while the temperature hit 88. It was so hot, people began dropping before the president even arrived. Governor Ron DeSantis was one of the warm-up speakers as the crowd waited, and he may have done too good a job. Joe Biden opposes border security, and he supports... Doctor, doctor, Nick, do we have a doctor in the house? Again. Medical personnel right over there. I'm, I honestly thought it was a protester, so I apologize for that. Right over there. Can we get someone over there? Are we good? Okay. All right, we got some folks heading over there now. So everyone give the space. You know, it is a little hot. I mean, I'm a Florida native. 
I'd like it to be a little cooler by the time we get to the end of October, but it is what it is. So we, we have the potential to have our courts packed with Kamala Harris acolytes, and that's something that will not end well for this country. Another one, an, another medical. Okay, we got right back here. Can you guys see behind the stage? If you're facing the stage, it'll be to your left. If you're looking out to the crowd, it'll be on the right side of the stage. Okay. Anybody else? Are we good or is there any? It's hot. Are we good? Okay. And kudos to the folks at the stadium who used fire hoses to help cool off the crowd. As the president was speaking in Tampa, Joe Biden was doing another one of his drive-in rallies in Broward County, where he was introduced by Manuel and Patricia Oliver, who lost their son Joaquin in the massacre at Parkland. Our son was shot four times during the Parkland shooting. That was under this administration. And the worst part is that since we lost Joaquin, and the other 16 victims. More than 110,000 people have lost their lives because of gun violence in our country. We met Joe and we started talking. And he told us to find purpose in life. And that was probably the best advice that I could get from a leader. Find a reason to get up every morning and do something to prevent this from happening again. Find purpose. Joaquin is our purpose. Joe Biden's speech followed. It lasted a little more than 30 minutes and he hit all the high points, which we boiled down to about three minutes when you include the Florida references. Five days left, folks. Millions of Americans are already voting. Millions more are going to vote by the end of this week. And I believe when you use your power, the power to vote, you're going to change the course of this country for generations to come at home and abroad. This election is the most important one you've ever voted in, whether it's your first or tenth. Ladies and gentlemen, the heart and soul of this country is at stake right here in Florida. It's up to you. You hold the key. If Florida goes blue, it's over. It's over. Millions of people out there are out of work, on the edge, can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, and Donald Trump has given up. Over the weekend, his White House chief of staff said, and I quote, we're not going to control this pandemic. In the debate last week with Donald Trump, he said, we're rounding the corner. It's going away. We're learning how to live with it. No, he expects us learning how to die with it. That's what I told him. He's doing nothing. We're learning to die with it. Donald Trump has waved the white flag, abandoned our families and surrendered to the virus. But the American people don't give up. We don't give in. And we surely don't cower and nor will I under any circumstances. President Trump's super spreader events that he's spreading more virus around the country and here in Florida today. He's spreading division in addition, division and discord. We need a president who's going to bring us together, 
not pull us apart. Never before in modern presidential politics has a candidate been so reliant on wide-scale efforts to depress the vote than Trump. He knows if you vote, he can't win. Why do you think they're spending so much time keeping black folks and brown folks and poor folks from being able to vote? Why make it so hard? Because he knows when America votes, they reject people like him. We choose hope over fear. We choose unity over division. And we choose science over fiction. And yes, we choose truth over lies. So folks, it's time to stand up, take back our democracy. We can do this. We can be better than what we've been. We can be who we are at our best. As I said, the United States of America, there's nothing beyond our capacity. I promise you, I promise you. And I promise you if you elect me, when I'm wrong, I'll acknowledge it. I'll take responsibility. But I tell you what, I'm going to unite this country and we're going to move like we haven't in a long time. Next up on the Sunrise Soapbox, you'll hear from one of Florida's best-known political scientists about where things stand in the presidential race. But first, a word from the sponsors. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. Predict It is like the stock market for all things politics. Instead of trading stock in companies, you're investing money into your opinions on everything from election results to how many times President Trump will tweet this week. It's easy and only costs a few bucks to get started. Our podcast listeners can get a special introductory offer by visiting predictit.org slash promo slash F-L-A-P-O-L. Try it today. Welcome back to the Sunrise Soapbox. Our guest today is Dr. Susan McManus, a political scientist who has spent decades analyzing elections in Florida. Our official nickname may be the Sunshine State, but from a political perspective, McManus says we are the toss-up state. Obviously, this is a very turbulent time that we're in right now. And no surprise, from day one, when these handicaps started being made, from then on, Florida has always been projected to be a toss-up state. And, of course, we are again. The last five elections in our state have really been won by 1% or less. And 2018, of course, was a half percent. So we're now the half percent state which explains a lot about, again, why the candidates are crawling all over our state at the moment. You really can't look at any one framing that would be all-inclusive because Florida's components are so, so diverse. They are like, uh, as I said many times, a big giant jigsaw puzzle with thousands and millions of pieces, and you have a limited amount of time to try to figure out how to get a clear enough picture that you can win our state with all these ins and outs and overlapping of gender and race and income and age and party. It's very challenging. I have always maintained that Florida is the toughest state to campaign in of all 50 by far, and yet we're critical. There are 14 million registered voters in Florida, including 5 million Republicans, 5 million 200,000 Democrats. That means they tend to cancel each other out, and elections are decided by the 3,600,000 people registered as NPA, no party affiliation. McManus believes NPAs are the real story of the 2020 election in Florida. The NPAs get very little attention, and yet you see they're one-fourth of our registrants. 
there are a lot of different reasons why people are not registered with either party. People who dislike both parties tend to be younger voters. Uh, they're ideologically opposed to the two-party system, more libertarian-leaning voters, uninformed about what party labels stand for, and then professions that discourage partisanship. But I think from many of you watching here today, it's that latter category, too, that sees business people not wanting to reveal their partisanship in any in the environment we're in right now. So if you kind of divvy this up, you can see why some projecting models right now are sort of splitting the NP vote as half and half, half Republican and half Democrat. Uh, Democrats like to say it's going to be two thirds Democrat and one third Republican. But we don't really know and we won't know until the exit polls come out. But this is very, very interesting since it's again over a fourth of our voters, registered voters. And the turnout among these NPAs is pretty much, it's a little less than the percent of returns on uh, absentee ballots or in-person early voting than the two parties, but not much. The COVID crisis, the economic collapse, racial justice demonstrations, and constant chaos fermented by the Trump administration have turned this election into something more akin to a circus. And the clown show has a lot of people on edge. McManus says Biden supporters want calm, while Trump supporters embrace the chaos. After periods of turmoil and all kinds of unusual activities and, and bad economies and good economies, but basically turmoil, people look for a candidate that they see as just calming things down. And obviously, uh, a lot of Biden supporters particularly older Biden supporters, are pointing to that as a reason that they are going to, to vote for Biden is the calming of it. In contrast, Trump supporters, they don't want calm. They want something that is going to continue to shake things up and be different because in their minds, probably the best example of what they see as a problem with calmness is Congress, which gets nothing done because it's the same old, same old, and neither party can adjust and make decisions that affect people's lives. That's one dichotomy. That's a traditional one. But I think the one that's probably going to have the most effect between now and Election Day for those who have yet to cast their ballots, a lot of it is going to be, do you want, in light of rising COVID numbers, do you want to lock down again? Or do you care more about keeping the economy open? So this is sort of the lockdown versus jobs decision that I think is on the minds, particularly of working age individuals. And Dr. McManus says the real test of our character comes in the days immediately after the election. What are we looking at right now in terms of what could go wrong? If I've done one interview, I've done a million on is Florida going to be another 2000? And I absolutely say no, we're not. Does that mean that we're not facing some challenges? No, it doesn't. We are likely to see some things that are typical when you have a race going this tight and we have the kind of shenanigans that are easier to do now than ever through social media and hacking. We are um, seeing a lot of misinformation being transmitted via text, social media, just about every form of communication possible. There's fear on election day that we will have some disruptions. 
and we can guarantee that we're going to have lawsuits. When you're this close and you're an important state, you're going to have that. And besides, both parties have already bragged about how large their lawyers-in-waiting team is. The real worry for the country and for Florida is after the election day. And these are things that have been on everybody's mind from elected state officials and local officials to election officials to you know national parties and the national office holders. Uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed, but there you have to prepare for those things. Dr. McManus spoke during a virtual meeting of Florida Tax Watch. Thanks to Dominic Calabro and his crew for setting it up. Your calendar of events begins at 8 when the Florida Board of Psychology meets by conference call. Trustees at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind meet at 945 in St. Augustine. The Florida Board of Nursing Home Administrators meets by conference call at 9. State Senator Randolph Bracey will help host a farm share food distribution event at 10 in Orlando. Congressman Charlie Crist participates in a free shuttle service effort hosted by the 13th Street Neighborhood Association in St. Petersburg. He'll catch the shuttle from the Enoch Davis Center at noon to the early voting location at the Allstate Center on the campus of St. Petersburg College. The State Child Abuse Death Review Committee meets at 1. Today's the deadline for candidates, parties, and political committees to file their financial reports for the end of October. And early voting ends Saturday in many counties, although some will still be open on Sunday for souls to the polls. And finally today, a Florida man was mauled by a leopard at a backyard zoo in South Florida, and he paid for it in more ways than one. State wildlife officers say the owner charged 150 bucks for what was called a full contact experience with the black leopard, which allowed him to play with it, pet its belly, take pictures. Well, the cat attacked as soon as the guy walked into the leopard's enclosure, and his injuries were so severe that one ear was torn in half and his scalp was hanging from his head. The Wildlife Commission charged the owner with allowing full contact with an extremely dangerous animal. They also cited him for maintaining captive wildlife in an unsafe condition. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.